I believe women don't have enough safe space to embrace their stories, share freely, and lean on one another. And if we can't do this for one another, how will we show the next generation how to do it differently? There are a million reasons we hold back and hide fear of judgment, shame, uncertainty, or simple inconvenience. But ladies, that just allows the problem to persist. Let's open up the conversation, no holds barred and no judgment. Let us hear your joys and your pains, your struggles and your triumphs. Truth be told, we'll probably have far more in common than you'd imagine. Together, we can create a very different experience than the one we've come to tolerate. A more authentic and connected experience that triumphs over judgment and falsities. One that gives us all the space to be sincere and unapologetic together. This is me. Hello and welcome back to This Is Me. I am Heather Stark and today I am interviewing Heather Loeb. Heather is a mental health advocate and creator of Unruly Neurons, a blog dedicated to eradicating the stigma attached to mental illness. Heather, who struggles with depression, anxiety, and an eating disorder, lives in Corpus Christi with her husband, two children, and five cats. She also has a mental health column in the Corpus Christi Caller Times and is the communications manager for NAMI Greater Corpus Christi. You can read more about Heather at unrulyneurons.com. I came across Heather's column and I loved it. She grabbed me and pulled me into her article because she was so honest and forthcoming about her struggles. And as you'll hear in this podcast, it was the first time that I had heard somebody in this new area that I'm living talk about mental health. You know, that's, that's one of my jams. That's one of the things that I feel we have to passionately advocate for, especially when it comes to women who are fighting this stereotype of being able to multitask and, and handle it all. So I welcomed this this column that Heather had written and all of the rush of emotion that I felt. And I put it in the back of my mind that I wanted to interview her. And when I reached out to ask her if she'd be opened to being interviewed on my growing podcast, she immediately said yes, without reservation. And I treasure this because she talks about what it's like in the trenches on your worst, worst day. And then she also talks about the other side of it, being able to get through the the trench to enter and you know you're going down in the trenches of it and then you're slowly climbing your way out of it and she talks about the other side of it and she talks about her treatment her ECT which is something that is not talked about hardly at all especially nowadays and she's she's very honest about about it and and how she credits it with saving her life so this is Heather on the other side Okay, so thank you so much, Heather, for for joining me. It is nice to meet you. I am sharing with the listeners that I came across an article that you had written, and it was while I was uh, working at a radio station, and I was so engrossed in reading it that I was almost late for one of my cues because I'm new to this area. I've been here about a year and a half, and that was the first time 
in this area, I had heard somebody speaking openly about their mental health and especially coming out of the shutdown and, you know, wherever we are in the pandemic, it just was like, oh, yay. Okay. Somebody down here is talking about that. (laughs) So thank you for opening that door. And that's what I want to, I want to talk to you about your story with mental health and why you are so open about it. And so the first, the first question I tend to ask is where does your story start? You know, I have been uh, mentally ill since I was young and I, I didn't know it, but looking back, I can see signs of an anxiety disorder and depression as young as 12. Um, I was formally diagnosed when I was uh, 19 after my grandma died, and I just had a really hard time uh, dealing with it. But I didn't tell anybody, not even my parents, uh, my best friend knew. But I just, it was more of like an inconvenience, and I didn't really put importance on it. You know, I just, I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. I, I was on medication on and off, but it wasn't a big deal. Um, so I moved to Corpus Christi and I got married to my husband and it got a little worse. You know, I was away from my family. I didn't really have a support group, uh, then. Um, but then 2018 came and Kate Spade, uh, died by suicide. And I was mad. I was so mad that this woman who had all the means in the world did not seek help because according to her sister, she didn't want to hurt her brand. So I started blogging and I started telling people, Hey, I'm mentally ill. And I want to talk about this. I don't care about the stigma. I want to talk. So I I started blogging. I wasn't, um, I didn't do it that much then, but then I was hospitalized for about six weeks, um, at the Menninger clinic in Houston. And I decided then and there, I was like, I'm not going to be quiet about this. This has been an experience to me. And I'm a better person and I feel like I'm a better mom and I'm, I'm going to do this. Um, the pandemic started, um, shortly after that, and I had a lot of time on my hands. So I just, I kept blogging a few times a week and I started writing letters to the editor about mental health and the disparity about, you know, um, insurance and covering drugs and insurance cover, not covering drugs and, Um, I wrote so much. I wrote forum pieces and like I said, letters to the editor. And finally, I just said, hey, can I uh, be a columnist? And um, they said yes. And I just bothered them so much. I just kept going. (laughs) So that became a thing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So I, I have a couple of stories you didn't share. Tell me why, when you said that you um, were dealing, had a hard time dealing with your grandmother's death and you didn't share except for with your best friend. So why didn't you share to the world, but why did you share with her? I was embarrassed. I totally bought into the stigma Mm -hmm. and I just, you know, my grandma died and it seemed like everybody else was dealing with it. Okay. Like they, they weren't down. Like I know they were sad, but I mean, I was, I dropped down to a part-time student and I just, I couldn't deal. And I, I, like I said, I was just embarrassed. And even my mom seemed to be okay. Who, I mean, that was her mother who died. Um, so it was just so hard on me. Mm-hmm. And what about your friends? What about her? Or I'm assuming it's her that, that pulled you in and was like, this was, this was somebody that I can open up to. Yeah, she was, you know, she was, um, 
she was going to be a pharmacist and she was, you know, she knew all the drugs and she was, she was just so helpful and open-minded and she, you know, to this day, she accepts everything that I say and do. I think you just hooked into something right there, the open-minded. I think um, that's huge. That's a huge thing, especially where we are right now with society is looking for people with open minds that are open to listening and accepting um, and hearing things that are different than their own narrative. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she, it's funny because she has a file on me and she has all my medications listed and she'll tell me, oh, well, no, you can't take that. It's going to interact with this. And she, I mean, she's just so helpful and so loving and accepting. What a great person to have. I mean, obviously (laughs) obviously we love our best friends, but you've got a best friend there that has gone extra miles. I'm so grateful. (laughs) And so can I ask them what's, what are you doing then for, um, with the hard days? How do you, how do you get through them? What do you do to maintain one foot in front of the other? Well, um, when I do have a hard day, I first, I tell my husband, um, and my support system, I'm like, Hey, I'm having a hard day. I need you to take this off my plate or, you know, my mother-in-law, she'll help me with the kids. And I'm just honest about it. I'm like, Hey, I need help today. I mean, I think that's the greatest thing you can do is be communicative and say, I need help. Admit it. Yeah. Is it easy for you to say I need help? It was hard at first. It was hard. Um, now it's, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't love admitting I need help all the time, especially to my mother-in-law, you know, it's, it's hard, yeah. um, but I have to do it in order to stay healthy. Yeah. And along with this column that you have, I guess I'm going to say created because it didn't exist before you put forth the idea. Correct. Right. Yeah. Along, you have this website and it's, it's beautiful and it's, it's very vulnerable and very raw and authentic. And you break down a lot of things and you talk about ECT. Are you open to talking about that now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's fine. Um, so will you explain that? It was very is very intriguing to me because I've not heard somebody who is doing that currently. So when I went to the Menninger clinic in Houston, um, they kind of, they redid all my meds and they suggested the ETC, the electroconvulsive therapy. So in the movies, you know, you, you hear shock therapy and it's, it's not really like that. So what they do is they put you under anesthesia and they put electrodes on your forehead and they, um, they, uh, stimulate like a, a seizure and you're, you're knocked out and you don't feel it. They give you a muscle relaxant. So you're not like shaking real bad. Um, and it lasts anywhere from like 15 seconds to maybe a minute and, uh, your brain, um, stops it itself. And the shorter the seizure, the better. And it kind of just, it's like a hard reset to your brain and they don't really know how it works, but it works. Mm -hmm. And I've had about maybe 30 treatments and, um, I don't know, I don't know how it works, but I mean, it really did help me a whole lot. I felt like a different person. It probably saved my life. What is it like when you, uh, wake up the next day? Like, how does that feel in your, in your heart, in your spirit, in your body, the difference? 
So it's, um, you know, you wake up a little bit afterward, like 15 to, you know, 30 minutes. And you, sometimes you don't remember that you've even had a treatment. Um, and I always get bad migraines after it because I just, I suffered with migraines forever. Um, but you know, you, they put you in recovery for a little bit and then you go home and that's it. And then it's your, you said you feel like a new person. So you feel like you're, you're, correct me if I'm wrong. Like your thoughts are clearer. The anxiety is lower. Yes. Yeah. And the depression lifts. Mm, that's, that's a big thing. And how long does, does that last? So you do like an initial course. Do you do maybe three ECTs for maybe uh, three weeks? I don't remember what the protocol is. Um, and then you just go for uh, like a follow-up and that depends on how you feel. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And the other thing you've talked about is karate. Yes. <laughs> Tell so me about that. My kids have been taking karate since last summer and I love watching them. It's just so fun. They have fun and, you know, they broke boards and I was like, you know, I should do this. So like, I guess two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I started and my first class was so awesome because uh, you know, I'm the only, I was the only beginner in that class. And, uh, for the self-defense portion, we had to like simulate, like tackling our partner. And then you had to pull them down and then like trap them with your legs. And it's like, you just get in there. And I was like, this is so awesome. And then like the next class you had to, we had these like orange plastic guns and then you had to like disarm them. And that was pretty cool. And I just feel I don't know. I feel so good after class and I love it. And, uh, my kids make fun of me because I'm a white belt and they're an orange belt, but it's, it's pretty fun. I'll get there. It, it sounds very in, you, you can't have any inhibitions going in. You've got to like leave that off of the mat, you know, right. when you're there. you know, after the maybe third class I was driving home and I was just smiling and I thought, oh my God, you know, depressed Heather could not have done this. She wouldn't have tried something new. She couldn't have gotten out of bed to do it. And I thought I have made it to the other side. And I've probably felt like this for a long time, but it was the first time I've noticed it. And that was a good feeling. Yeah. It's amazing how sometimes we don't realize how Um, I'm going to use the word bad and that might not be the right word. Heavy. We feel bad. We feel until we're on the other side and we're like, (laughs) I have no idea. It was eye opening. I bet it was. And to me, that's some type of like, okay, a a goal. Like I I know I'm, I'm capable of, for me, when I've found something that works, that, you know, helps me with my depression or my anxiety or my eating issues. I'm like, okay, I know there is a better way because I felt it. And it's like this line that I can just, you know, almost blindly follow. I can just close my eyes and just one hand over the other and follow this line back to this goal, this feeling that I know exists. Yeah. Tell me about the, the response you've gotten from your article, from your column. You know, people have reached out to me from all over the country and um, it's pretty amazing. Just like two weeks ago, um, I wrote about suicide. And uh, that day the article ran, three people reached out to me and two were uh, suicidal. 
and I tried to help them. I got them the resources and, you know, I told them about this suicide uh, hotline and it was kind of unnerving because I, I felt like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I could screw this up. I like, I felt guilty because I want to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people have reached out with positive, uh, words for me. And that makes me feel so good, you know, cause yeah. a lot of people don't come forward because of the stigma. Right. They don't that, that it's like tape over their mouths or their, their tongue right. or, or stuck to the roofs of their mouths. Um, right. so where do you have this vision of, you know, what's, what's next? You know, I would really like to, um, write a book and maybe a collection of my favorite articles. And, um, I would really work, like to work on that next. Yeah. Yes. Um, if you were to kind of talk about who you were then versus who you are now, what are the words that you would use to describe yourself, your spirit? I could not get out of bed and, um, I didn't shower. I didn't brush my teeth. I lied to my husband about being sick so he could take the kids to school. And I just sat around all day and I binged all day on food because I I just, that was the only thing that would make me happy. And that was just temporary because that feeling would go away. And I was just so sad and suicidal and I was abusing my anxiety meds. Um, cause that made me feel good too, temporarily. And it was just awful. I felt like a terrible mom. Cause I, I tried to give them all the energy that I had and there was nothing left for me. And, and then, you know, now I think about it and I started working with, uh, NAMI greatest corpus, greater corpus Christi, and that's the national Alliance of mental illness. And, um, you know, I'm writing the the column and my blog. And I just think about all the energy that I have and being with the kids. And it is just, it's a complete turnaround and I'm, I'm proud of myself. I I really am. You should be, you really should. Um, that's, I think that what you just said, the way you just described before, that's something that really hooks a lot of people in and that's what they need to hear. And, and we've been talking about the stigma and, you know, we keep quiet because of it, but it's just like, those phrases are the phrases that free us, you know, like, Oh my God, somebody else knows what it's like to lie to their husband that they don't feel good. I mean, I, I know that I've done that. Um, and I hate that there's such shame around that. Um, and so in that, in that vein, what do you think, do you feel, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you feel it's just going to take a whole village of us that's just keeps shouting it and keeps shouting it? Do you think that there's um, certain things that have to be done in order to change or lift that stigma? And if so, what do you think they might be? Yeah. I mean, we, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it all to get help and um, for people to understand for even healthcare providers, they need to understand it. Um, I know they do to an extent, but we, we just have to keep talking about it. We just have to. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, do you get pushback? From older generations. <sighs> I noticed that if like I post an article or a column on my Facebook page, 
older people make comments like, oh, you should really be more positive and you should, you know, be less vocal about your problems. And I'm like, well, that's why I'm posting this. So I can, <laughs> I can be less or more vocal, like, hello, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's more older generation kind of, kind of deal. Like the younger generations, they get it. Yeah. And so when that happens, are you able just to put it in its, its box or yes. does that stick with you? That's, that's amazing. At, at first it stuck with me and I would get mad. And then, you know, um, when that person made a comment, I just wrote back, no, you know, this is why we need to talk about it. We need to release it, end the stigma. And, you know, I just go on about my business. Yeah. Yes. What is one piece of wisdom that you have gained from this, your story, this journey that you've been through that you would like to share with others? You just have to do one day at a time. And if you can't do one day, you just do one hour at a time and just go slow. And I, I, you know, I never thought I would be happy again. And I never dreamed that I would have it this good. And I'm just, I'm so happy. And I have bad days, sure, but I'm just so happy beyond anything that I could ever dream of. And it just started hour by hour. Wow. Heather, thank you so much for taking the time today and sharing your story and really giving insight to the thoughts that were in your head, the nitty gritty of it. And that's, like I said, that's what hooks us in and that's what frees us. So thank you so much. And well, thank you for having me. Yes. Yes. And I will be in touch. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Our music is dance around the campfire by Julius H.